Welcome back to the In the Dugout podcast. My name is Jason Ward, a.k.a. Red Sox Dugout, alongside Joey Nagel. It's been a minute. How you doing? Been quite a while. <laughs> it has been a very long time. Um, but to be fair, uh, the Red Sox have not been that fun to watch. I mean, it's been the same, though. It's kind of been the same story. It's been all season where it's up and down. They'll, they'll blow out a team and then get shut out. They'll have a great series and then get swept. It's It's been the same story that it's been all season, so it really shouldn't be a surprise. The only difference is they now find themselves much farther away from any playoff hopes they may have had. Um, it's tough because, as you know, as every Red Sox fan who's followed this team knows, there have been multiple points where we felt like this could be a playoff team. Um, I remember they were half a game back in the wild card, and you're like, all right, we got this. And then the Blue Jays come in and just pound them, and you're, and you're sitting there. I remember I declared the death of the Red Sox um, at the end of that series, something that I feel like I've had to do three or four different times because they keep doing this thing where they'll play great baseball, the bats will be batting, the, pitch, the pitchers will be pitching, and you'll feel like everything's great. And then they fall off a cliff. They get to the top of the roller coaster, and then they go rolling right down. And it, it seems like that's happened multiple times a season. And here we are kind of at that down swing again, um, especially after we're recording this during game three in the Tampa Bay series right now. Um, they just lost in extras to the Rays last night. So you're kind of that that was a huge loss like that that was a game that could have given you hope again um but here we are again we are 5 games back in the wild card sitting at 72 and 67 um here on September 6th so about a month left a little less in the season and it's not looking great yeah um it certainly has felt like the Red Sox have been pronounced dead several times this year like to name a few uh, the game against Toronto where Maguire gets doubled up, everyone jumped to announce the death of the Red Sox at that one. Yeah. But then, you know, they they take three or four from Kansas City, sweep Detroit. And then, um, you know, you lose the first two games of that four game set to Houston. You're feeling bad again. You're feeling down again coming off the sweep of the Yankees. Uh, but then you win the next two games. You win the last one 17 to one. You're feeling really good with the Dodgers coming into town. You take the lead in that first game. We The bullpen blows it. Then you win the next game. You're feeling, okay, we might have a chance. Taking two or three from the Dodgers will be huge. Uh, you ultimately lose that one, and then you get Houston again, and you get swept by them. And that was when pe- I think people really declared the Red Sox dead, um, yep. which ended August 30th. So right before September, everyone was like, you know what, the, the season's over. Uh, but then, you know, they played very – they go to KC. They lose the first one. Paxton gets shelled. Uh, but then you win the next two, and you see that Texas is just imploding right now. Um, and they're one of the teams ahead of you in the wild card. And, you know, going into last night, that middle game against the Rays, we finally won a game at the Trop, snapped the 13-game losing streak. And we take them to extras last night. Um, I know you watched the full game. They showed so much fight in that game. Like, the the, the team clearly hasn't given up. And you're starting to feel like during that game when they went down, but then clawed their way back and forced extras. I was like, you know what, with this, with, with Texas really sliding right now, um, we give it a chance. And ultimately Brandon Lau just smokes a walk off. <laughs> that dude kills us. Yeah. Um, but 
that one all like last night felt like another one of those death death like dagger felt like yeah. a dagger i mean that um, game was like a microcosm of the whole season the team's fighting absolutely. you get you have a bunch of hope it's building up you're like oh my god this game's gonna mean so much if we win it and then and you're looking boom, around the league and walk you're seeing off homer yeah walk you off homer right league. through the heart it's tough it's tough <laughs> and like ultimately you i'm looking at it right now i was convincing myself last night that this team is still alive because you still have three against Toronto and three against Texas, who are the only two teams ahead of you in the wild card race. But now you're five games out. You're not a sweep away. It's it it makes it really tough. I I ultimately I don't think Texas is going to make the playoffs. I think the Blue Jays are going to take that last spot. And you know, even if you swept the Blue Jays, you would be two back of them. Or um, so you would be currently you're four and a half back of them, four in the loss column. So if you swept them, you would be a game back. And you know what that game is? It's the Reese McGuire game. Yeah. It, yeah I mean, if it comes down to that, that sucks. It, but the way that this season is shaping up, I feel like it will. The Red Sox could go on a, a, little, a magical run the last couple weeks of the season. And we look back to that one loss. Reese McGuire getting doubled up, and we say that is exactly what cost us the playoff spot. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Well, yeah, they'll go on a great run and then get super close just to break our hearts one last time before the season's over. Yeah, and I, I truly think it's going to happen. I do. I mean, uh, but at that point, like they've had so many opportunities to take that next step, to climb the next rung of the ladder, and they just fall short seemingly every time because – I mean, you, you look at the Houston series. We played two series against the Houston Astros, um, essentially back-to-back. The Dodgers series was just in between those. And that's seven games because the first one was a four-game series. You went two and five in those seven games. That was yeah. a perfect opportunity to really leapfrog in, in the wildcard standings to win some games against a good team. And uh, you talked about it, how they lost the first two in, the Houston, in, in Houston. Um, and you're like, oh, here we go. And then they win the sec- the third game, and then they win seventeen to one off JP France in in Thursday's game, game four, and you're like, oh my god, we just beat the Astros seventeen to one, Sox, maybe we got a shot here. And then the Dodgers come to town, Mookie Betts does his thing, you lose two out of three, and they're like, okay, here comes Houston again. Quick. Yeah, here comes Houston again, win the series, you get swept, and then right after you get swept. <laughs> This is when I was like, all right, I, I'm out. <laughs> when they lose 13 to 2 against the Royals right after getting swept by the Astros. That was one of the ugliest, <laughs> ugliest. I, I barely even watched that game. I was yeah. just following it on my phone. James Paxton. Oh my God. Absolutely disgusting. That was one of the most disgusting starts I've ever seen. Yeah. Like I put on that game. I was watching some of it. I see him just get shot. I'm like, all right, done with that. No he, baseball tonight. Just, <laughs> he is cooked. He is out of gas right now. And they pushed him back. He was supposed to start tonight. Um, they're giving him all these extra days. I mean, clearly, I get it. He's coming off. Of, he hasn't pitched in two years. It makes sense that he's going to give out in September. But yeah, these are the most innings he's he's pitched by far in a long time. Yeah. Um, especially since the surgery. It, it, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. Obviously, you can go back and be like, oh, the Red Sox should have traded James Paxson looking at it now for sure. But they had an opportunity where they could have traded James Paxson while he was still good, and they didn't. And now in his last six starts, he has a 7.62 ERA. 
He gave up six runs in an inning and a third against the Royals in that game in his last start. And you're looking at him, you're like, all right, this guy's done. He's he's gassed, he's cooked, whatever you want to say. He did not does not have the durability to withstand the amount of innings that's getting thrown at him after not having pitched this much, not even close to this much in the past few seasons due to injuries. So it's clear that he just doesn't have anything left in the tank. Um, and then you you look at him being a free agent. There was there were reasons to say, yeah, Red Sox should re-sign him before this bad stretch. But after this bad stretch, with him being, I think he's 34, I want to say, there's no reason why he's going to come back. It just doesn't make sense uh, yeah. based on how he's done. It's unfortunate, too, because he was one of our best starting pitchers and our starting rotations where we need the most help. And he was carrying it when he came back from injury and um, pitched as well as he did. It was awesome. Like that's probably one of the main main reasons why the Red Sox were even in the playoff conversations is because of what James Paxson did coming off of injury. Um, but then he he fades away, and you had different injuries in the rotation. It, it just kind of fell apart there, um, and it's tough to see because I think everyone was rooting for James Paxson coming off of all those surgeries, uh, and it just it didn't work out in the long run. Yeah, um, you know I don't necessarily want to say good riddance to him, but given the price that he's going to get this off season, he's going to want a multi-year deal, 10 plus million a year. I just don't see it. I don't think there's a point when there are guys like Yamamoto and Blake Snell available. I would rather yeah. invest more money into proven or Yamamoto is a little different. He's not proven in, at the MLB level, but he, everyone knows that, you know, he's a 25 year old potential ACE and right. a guy like Blake Snell, he's someone who's pitched full seasons who's pitched well, has a Cy Young. Like, he's a good Pitching pitcher. Pitching out of his mind right now. Yeah, he's, he's absolutely psycho. But, <laughs> um, like, the whole trading Paxton thing, while I wanted it to happen, and the second Eduardo Rodriguez declined that Dodgers trade, mm-hmm. the Red Sox should have been on the phone talking to the Dodgers, seeing what they could get. Um, remember, at the time of the trade deadline, the Red Sox had two starting pitchers. It was Brian Bayo and James Paxton. Right. So there wasn't really a way for them to make it work just from a roster standpoint. But also um, there are reports that came out this week that Paxton wasn't fetching a top 10 prospect. Um, Like if he was being traded to the Dodgers, the best we probably would have got is around the 15th best prospect in the Dodgers system, which at that point, it's not worth it. You know, he's getting paid nothing. I'm I'm fine with keeping him. It's a shame that he's run out of gas, but it's not only on him. The Red Sox starters um, in the past month are averaging four and a third innings per start. So it's everyone. And earlier in the season when Paxton was pitching so well, the Red Sox were giving him extra days of rest so that he could you know, ease himself into this workload. And when that disappeared, when there were no off days and he had to pitch every fifth day, that's when the, the cracks started forming and ultimately he's broken now. Um, but James Paxton, it, you know, it's a microcosm of the season. The starting right. pitching depth has just not been there all year. It's that along with the defense has ultimately been the reason that the Red Sox, um, are not in a playoff spot. Yeah. I mean, again, hindsight's 2020. Like I, I think, uh, we're all saying on the podcast around the trade deadline that we want to keep James Paxton because at that point he was the key to your, your starting rotation while you were pushing for the playoffs. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, and every week now, we changed easy, our mind. But, yeah, we did. We did. But we ultimately um, settled on keeping him. Plus, and, I mean, uh, he's yeah. only making like $4 million. So, 
it's, it's not, not a salary dump or anything. You're under the luxury tax. Like it didn't make yeah. any sense. I, I I understand the move and I'm okay with it. It just sucks that it didn't work out. But that's what happens yeah. in baseball. That's right. And that's right. Actually, it, going it back to last night's game, you were perfectly right when you said it was a microcosm of the entire season because Carter Crawford goes four and two thirds innings. Um, reason being, the three runs were scored after an error. He walks a guy with two outs in, I believe, the third inning. And when he walked that guy with two outs, he was at, I believe, 39 pitches. So I, was it, the, it must have been the second inning then. But then fly ball to center field. Abreu loses it in the roof and drops it. Next thing you know, three-run homer, right? And that's three runs on the board. And Crawford ends the inning with 59 pitches. So he threw 20 pitches to get that that fourth out of the inning. Yeah, extra, That's 20 extra pitches. 20 extra pitches to get the fourth out of the inning due to that error. It's it's stuff like that that's happened all season. And looking at it right now, if it wasn't if the Red Sox continue this pace, they are going to be the worst defensive team in the history of defensive metrics. Any way you cut it, this is the worst defensive baseball team ever assembled. And ultimately, it's cost them even with having to make a starting rotation out of duct tape and pipe cleaners. They, <laughs> they manage, they've managed to be a really good team. And if you think if they're just league average defensively, this team probably wins 90 games and gets that. Not even the last wild card spot. They could be one of the top wild card spots. Like I, I have no problem saying the Red Sox would be a 90 win team with league average defense, maybe even more. I agree. I mean, I was just going to say, surprise, surprise, the Red Sox made another error. It's been the season. It's been the story of the season here. So many times games are being decided by the Red Sox, mental mistakes and fielding mistakes and base running mistakes. Like you said, if they were close to average or even slightly below average, like near average, they would be a much better team because it's the offense isn't the problem. They have like a top three offense. The bullpen's not a problem. Bullpen's been pretty good. Yeah, they have some bad they have moments, one of the but best overall they've been great. The yeah. And the starting rotation, yeah, it doesn't have depth, but the guys who are showing up have been relatively good. Cutter Crawford's been very solid for us in that in the rotation spot since he got there. Um, James Paxson was good first half of the season. Brian Bayo has been a stud. Chris Sale has been pretty good when he's been healthy. Tanner Houck's been good for the most part. Like you've been getting good starts a decent amount of the time like yeah it's not a star studded rotation they're not that great but they are filling the gaps like you said they're holding it together with duct tape and pipe cleaners like they're getting the job done but I, the defense is the biggest issue that is what's losing them games that is why we're five games back of the last wild card spot right now it's it's the defense clear cut like that that's what it is yeah and an another thing is last night i don't know if you saw the rays were bunting like crazy and yeah. <laughs> reaching them, they were sack bunting and bunting for base hits. And I couldn't tell you the amount of times this season that the Red Sox have improperly defended a bunt. Well, that's smart baseball for the Rays. You make the team that can't field field like that. Yeah. That's just smart and baseball. It, it feels like every time a guy drops down a bunt, even just a sack bunt, the Red Sox are not properly covering the bases. The there whole season. Run. Yeah, whole season. There was a... Sorry, one second. <laughs> I just remember, I don't remember what team it was, but they were bunting against us. And it's like, 
the bunt was like some foreign concept the Red Sox had never heard of. They were not prepared for it. They did not do, perform the fundamentals right. They were not covering the right bases. They didn't field it right. It's just a mess. And if I'm an opposing team, like I just said, I would bunt against the Red Sox every opportunity I get. Whenever it comes up, bunt because the Red Sox, odds are, are not going to field it right. And even like as a batter, when you know that the team you're playing against is so bad defensively, you're just in the mindset of I'm just going to hit the ball and play and make the make a play. Odds are in favor that they could make an error out there. So I think it's making it even easier for opposing hitters to kind of be comfortable in the box, knowing they just have to put the ball in play to have a shot. It's just when your team is bad defensively, especially when it's it's based on mental mistakes and, and bad errors, it just weakens your whole entire team's performance and it strengthens the opposing team's approach against you. So it's clear why the defense has hurt this team this badly. And I, I don't know how this happened fully because I think the Red Sox put an emphasis on having better defense coming into this season. I don't know why uh, Rafael Devers regressed so heavily. I don't know why um, a, a great defensive catcher like Connor Wong keeps having different mental mistakes. I don't know why good athletic players who know baseball are making stupid mistakes so often. I, I don't know if, again, I, I've had this question throughout the whole season. Is it the coaching staff? Is it the players just need to be better? How do we fix this? I don't know, but that's going to be one of the main things they have to address. They have to figure it out, whatever it is, shake things up, new, new outfield coach, new infield coach, new base running coach, new manager. I don't know, new faces in the clubhouse, whatever it is, whatever it takes to get better defensively, that needs to be the Red Sox number one focus this off season, because what they've put together out there on the field this season is just unacceptable. And it's why they're losing so many games. Yeah. And it's been an issue for years. I remember in 2021, we were talking about this. And boy, we said it last year too. Boy, we we did not know what was coming this year. Brendan Lau just homered. <laughs> yeah. That dude absolutely kills us. Yeah. Sorry, continue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, defense, it's, it's, it's a year. It's year after year. And it's actually only gotten worse uh, from, from 2021. Um, the Devers part of it, I just, I still can't understand. It baffles me how he's regressed I, this much. I think part of it is we, we saw him in Houston. He put his head in his hands. He was clearly really upset about making an error. And he, when did that in the past, Xander Bogarts was the one to put his arm around him. They, they were say. always together in the dugout. He was, you know, walk over to him. Hey, keep your head up. It's okay. I, I think maybe not having a guy like that this year, it, he might be not just on the, the team, but Xander was the position next to him too. So exactly. in Rafi's head, he's like, Xander's got me on my left side. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think what we're witnessing with Devers right now is just the growing pains from that. Um, yeah. You know, he took a real step defensively last year. And even in really the first half of this year, he was, he was holding his own defensively. Um, but he seems to just kind of lost it at this point. I, I don't blame him. It's, I don't think he's getting any help from the coaching staff. I really don't. Um, at this point, when the def when the defense has been so bad for so long, it starts with the coaching. Carlos Fabulous, you're the infield coach. You've done a terrible job. This is you constructed, instructed one of the worst defensive teams of all time. As far as I'm uh, concerned, see you later, pal. <laughs> yeah, and you know when Reese McGuire's on second base, you're celebrating, doing the home run thing. <laughs> yeah. Hooray! 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 When it's a fly out to center field, dude, never your forget. Your job is to watch the play. 
yeah. watch the play. Um, so yeah, bye. Um, yeah, I said it once. I'll say it again. The Atlanta Braves are the best team in baseball. They have the best third base coach in baseball, Ron Washington. He's also their infielder coach. So yeah. it, it makes a difference. Yeah, it, it Hall does. of and, third base slash infield coach, Ron Washington, stud. I would love him here. Yeah. But obviously that'll never happen. Well, I mean, you just gotta look at look at the Red Sox haven't been good defensively in a long time. And Carlos Fabus has been the third base coach for that same amount of time. Like you gotta put one and one and two and two together here and, and do some math and be like, all right, this guy is the problem. He's gotta go. I, he's not the only problem, of course. Like it's a much a bigger issue than just Carlos Fabless. But I, I think that he needs to be the start of some management changes, some coaching changes. That I, they need they need to do it. They just there's no nothing else to it other than the fact that they need some different coaches in there. I think that a new pitching coach would be great too. I don't think Dave Bush is that great. But again, like. It, it, they could go in the full clean house direction too and be like, all right, Alex Cora, thank you. We're going to move in a different direction. Defense was bad. We need to shake it up. I think that just changes the scenery, shaking things up, new faces. It does a lot for a team, especially after uh, a season like this where it's just mistakes and you don't really know who to blame, what to do. Um, let's keep talking about the future because as far as I'm concerned, that's the only thing that matters with this team right now. It's not this season. So you look at next season and beyond that you have you have some decisions to make about what this team needs to address obviously the defense needs to be addressed we just we just talked about that plenty um and i mentioned before the offense is one of the better offenses in major league baseball not just the american league they're top three in the mlb in average they're top seven in runs they're number one in doubles um so the offense has been pretty good you have Tristan Casas, we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit more in a second, but he is absolutely tearing it up. He's top 10 in the league in OPS. Like he has turned out, he's turned around a season because he started out pretty slow and he has become a monster. He's a huge part of this lineup and this team moving forward. So talk about the future. It's Tristan Casas. Um, but the, the offense is doing all right. Now you look at the pitching. We talked about how the bullpen has been pretty good, especially for a Red Sox bullpen. The Red Sox bullpens have been awful in the past years. This is one of the better ones, if not the best one. And you look at the stats that support it. The Their top five in the MLB in the bullpen losing games, um, the bullpen does not lose them that many games. They are in staff like ERA, six, though. What's up? They're like 60-3 and three when leading after six innings. Yeah, the bullpen has been great. You have a shout a out to Chris closer. Martin. That dude is yeah. the best reliever in baseball right now. Hundred percent. That dude is got to give him some love. Like the the additions of Kenley and Chris Martin this offseason yes. completely changed this bullpen. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Having those reliable guys that you know you can go to in a one run game, two run game, tie game when you need one, two, three, sit them down. Let's let's get the bats up. That's so huge for this team. Uh, for this organization. So yeah, when you're talking about the bullpen, they're doing all right. Yeah, you can fill some more gaps, get some more depth there. But I, I think when you're looking at the the three sides of this team, the offense, the the starting pitching, and the the bullpen, it's the starting pitching. Not just in in talent, but especially in depth. We've talked about that at length this this season. So when you look at the stats, the the staff ERA overall for the team is bottom ten in the league. Obviously, the bullpen's been better, so the starting pitching has got to be weighing that down. You look at war, they're bottom seven in starting pitching war in the league, but top 10 in reliever war 
in the league. Again, showing that starting pitching is a problem. So if I'm the GM of the Red Sox, if I'm Heim Bloom or whoever else may be new, I don't know what's going to happen. I am 100% focused on starting pitching. Depth for starting pitching, getting, I think that they need a big name starter in there. Like, yeah, you got Chris Sale, but he's not that name anymore because his, everything that is associated with his name is the past. He hasn't been there, done that, been that guy lately. So yeah, he's Chris Sale, but he's not that name for me. Brian Bayo, he's your young stud. We talked about how he's not necessarily ace yet. He has to earn that. So you need some guy in between there, someone who can actually put the team on his back every fifth day and uh, get you a win. like Almost like what James Paxton was beginning in the season, but more consistently and not going to fall off and have a 760 ERA. We, there's different options for free agents. I don't think any of them fully fit that profile. You can make some of them work and try it. I think a trade is in order. I think a big I think trade Yamamoto needs to happen. Fits it. Really, I don't, well, yes, but it scares me the fact that he hasn't been in the MLB. I said that about Masataki Yoshida too, and look what he did, but still. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's more of a future-oriented move, I guess, because he is 25 years old. You're expecting right. some growing pains that first year. But um, I think a guy like him has the potential to be that frontline guy. You know, he's being compared to Masahiro Tanaka. Tanaka was really good for a number of years. Um, but, yeah, you're right. We, we do need a proven guy. I think Blake Snell is really the only free agent that fits that role. But I like also that. think the only thing with Blake Snell is he's pitching so well right now, just absolutely driving that price up. I don't think he can consistent like no one can consistently pitch at the level he's pitched right now. Dude just refuses to give up runs. Um, but well, yeah, what I was going to say, sorry, I was just going to say, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but I know I've talked about it. The Red Sox need a Chris Sale trade. What yeah. they did when they traded Yohan Mankata and Michael Kopech for Chris Sale. That's what we need is that guy to come. And then we won the World Series. So obviously it worked out. Um, you need a guy Especially like that. Especially with those I, prospects getting older now. Like, yeah, Blaise you Jordan got guys to trade. Ball. You have, you, Heimblum did his job. He got us a top three farm system in the game of baseball. You got to put it to use because not all these guys are going to be part of the major league team. Not all of them are part of the future vision. Uh, half of the reason you have prospects is trade value. So it's time where some of these prospects who are in log jams at positions or getting a little older in the minors, it is time to take advantage of them and trade them and use them to get the guys that you need to be competitive at the major league level again. Yeah. Uh, Corbin Burns entering the last year of the deal in Milwaukee. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> Corbin Burns, you know, the price on Dylan Cease is ridiculously high. Uh, they were asking I, I for sale, but really i didn't yeah. know that never mind i'm not gonna say yeah. what i was gonna say that <laughs> i was yeah. gonna say whatever name you throw out give them to me i don't care what it costs but maybe not brian bayo i'm not gonna do yeah. that one <laughs> um but there are options around the league and there are ways to make it happen but also yeah. i think this this offseason i think the no i think among the top priorities extending tristan costas because oh, that absolutely. is absolutely boatloads of money boatloads of money you need you, to do you that can give him you got to do what the Braves do. Give him the money now and forget about it. Because now that we're back under the luxury tax and we're going to have money to spend for the next three years, spend some on Casas so that you can invest in these high cal these high price tag starting pitchers instead of 
playing the waiting game that you played with Devers, freaking out the fans, and then having to pay $100 million more than what you could have paid. You don't need to see anything more. You don't need to see another game, another season. Like Tristan Casas is going to be that guy. Give him the money. Like he's been a top prospect. You saw all that potential when you scouted him. You saw it throughout the minors. He's doing it at the major league level in his rookie season. Basically, I don't know what else you need to see. Tristan Casas is a monster and he needs to be locked up as a Boston Red Sox for his career, at least the next. 10 decade the whatever the next decade next 10 years 12 years 13 whatever it is he needs to be in boston for that time for his prime because tristan casas is going to destroy so make that happen you're right i think that is one of the number one priorities this offseason um i think let me know if you agree with me i think it's fair to say that the red sox can be fully back into legit playoff contention as soon as next season Oh, I 100% agree with that. Yeah, I mean, look at this season. They, Yes, they are where they are right now, but they've had times where they could have been in the postseason and have shown flashes of how they could be a postseason team. So if you go out and you get that, that big-name starter and another starter so you don't really have those gaps in the rotation, you build up that depth. Bullpen doesn't need too much work. You can get a few more guys in there. Offense doesn't need too much work because you look at this lineup, most things are not going to change. Casas at first base, Devers at third base, Story in the middle infield. You have one more middle infield spot. Maybe it's Mondesi. Maybe it's Luis Urias. But whoever it is, you're Nick probably not going to acquire anyone. You have plenty of options. Nick York. There Don are Rafaela. options in the infield. Rafael, exactly. So you don't oh, need anyone court? in the infield. Yeah. I got a stat for you. So like the stats. highest OPS in baseball since the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. Number one is Mookie Betts. Number Very two good. is Corey Seager. Mm, number good. three is Tristan Casas, and number oh. four is Shohei Otani. Wow. Yeah. That's a stat. That's since the All Star break. Yep. Wow. All of baseball. He is a he is a a one point one 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 OPS. The same Tristan Casas that many fans wanted sent back down to AAA earlier this season. Yeah, it worked. Oh, <laughs> he's also slugging 673 at that, which is the second highest in baseball since the All-Star break. Pretty good. So, uh, yeah, Pretty that good. can confirm. Pretty good. 14 homers, yeah. three ribbies. Yeah. So, I think uh, I think we're all set at first base. That should do it. That should do the Just trick. extend him. Yeah. If you give him, you could give him eight years, $100 million. I think that gets done. Forget it. You could give him it's easy money. Extend Casas and Bayo this offseason. That's it. if you if you do that right after the season ends. Now we go. Now we spend on free agents. But let's just let's throw around that money this offseason. Why not? Yeah, do the thing. Do, do, do the Boston Red Sox thing. Yeah. Um. So continuing what I was saying though, infield's good. You don't even really need to acquire anyone for the infield. Uh, catcher. I'm comfortable with Connor Wong being the everyday catcher. I I'm think you need more Reece depth McGuire at this point. I, I yeah, I don't need Reese McGuire. I don't need him here anymore, really. But um, you don't need to go out and get some some everyday starter stud catcher. So I think that's another position that's not really too concerning. I'm okay with catchers. Wong. Not there are only really three good offensive catchers in the in the in the game. Like you Wong's know, not even bad defensively. He's not even bad. I'm perfectly yeah. fine with Wong. But you know, if you get 
it, I to me, it's more important that you get a good defensive catcher who works well with pitchers. Like that's, that's why Carter Martin Wong. Maldonado is one of the worst players in baseball, but he catches every day for yeah. the Astros. You need yeah. something like. Yeah, I mean, and then so that's all set. You look at the outfield. Jaron Duran has earned himself a starting role at least at least to start the season. I'm pretty sure, and so that's center field, right field. Um, Alex Verdugo. We're gonna get to him in one second because he's gonna be a free agent. We'll get to that. But Sedan Raffaella, we haven't even is it Sedan or Sedan? Sedan, right? Yeah. Done. We haven't even talked about him yet. He got called up. The the number three prospect in the Red Sox organization called up. He's batted 429 with a 929 OPS and 14 at bat so far. I know small sample size, but it's good to see him starting out hot. I mean, the dude is a, a freak. He's a Mookie Betts type player. That's the comparison he's gotten because he is Mookie Betts height, Mookie Betts position, similar Mookie Betts mechanics. Um, and same also, Mookie Betts five tool player where he's got speed, he's got power, he can hit. He can field really well, so great to see that. Yeah, gold glove defender in center field yep. and shortstop. I mean, it's crazy. Yep. The, to me, that's a guy that you might want to trade this offseason. You give him his cup of that's coffee. That's a wild take. Yeah, I, I've been saying it for a while, but I think if you, you, know, you strike while the iron's hot, right? He's playing well so far at the major league level, albeit it's nine at-bats, but you know that increases value. Um, if, if he's a centerpiece in a trade for a starting pitcher, I I would do it. Anyway, I don't know. I I go back and forth on that. Another, another reason why is because I've been so impressed with William Abreu, who we haven't gotten to either. Yeah. I have been. Well, I mean, yeah, that's another guy in the outfield. He, William Abreu, Abreu, 280 average, 877 OPS and 25 at bats. Um, he had a moon bomb in in Houston too, so he's definitely got pop. He's not not great defensively. He's definitely not as good as Rafaela, but that is another good outfield option, especially because you could have the DH spot opening up depending on what Justin Turner does. If he does decide to leave, um, you, you have the DH spot. I, I mean, Yoshida is probably a good candidate for that DH spot most games, but if not, you can kind of swap them in and out of that role. Yoshida's not awful in the outfield. He had a great throw the other night. Um, so he just, that's it shows that he can't really play there every day, though, right now, because he is he's not every day. Yeah, yeah. Um, Adam Duvall is another free agent. So let's talk about the free agents real quick. You have Adam Duvall. You have um, Justin Turner has an option, a player option. So that's up to him what he wants to do. Um, you you said he's that he weird... gets paid if he leaves. Yeah, so he has a six million dollar opt out. So if he opts out, the Red Sox pay him six million, and then he can get another contract on top of that. Um, so so what if he opts out and then signs with the Red Sox again? He just gets six million get the, free. He, yeah. Um, Crazy. It's I don't it's know how, how I want his agent. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, so no. So it's a player option that contains a six point seven million dollar buyout. So if he accepts it, he's in with a base salary of thirteen point four million. Um, if he declines it, the Red Sox then have to pay him essentially exactly half of the contract. So six point seven million. Got it. Um, gotcha. All right. So I would um, love Justin Turner back real yes. quick. Me too. Um, what are your thoughts on Adam Duvall? Because he I, has carried 
this offense multiple times this season. But he, yeah, 35 a couple days ago. Dude, ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, I feel like he's the exact kind of player you like to have on a playoff team. He reminds me of Steve Pierce, kind of. He's like that veteran player who can get really hot when he needs to. Um, I mean, everyone remembers what he did at the beginning of the season, how he put this team on his back and batted way over 400 and was hitting homers. He did that again. again. He just did that again. Um, I think he was even like it was they, they showed like the comparison of the beginning of the season stretch to this stretch and they were like almost identical. I think he had more homers this time though, because the dude he was did. hitting a homer every day. Um, but I, that, that is who Adam Duvall is though. Very streaky. He's going to get hot. He's going to get cold. If you think back before this hot streak, when he was coming off of his, um, injury, he was really cold. He could not hit, uh, for anything. It, it was bad. So it depends. Like that, I think that's the kind of player that's you. You don't want to have as your everyday guy. He's a platoon guy. I think. I think especially as he gets older, that's the role that fits him best. He's a good fielder. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's got power, and he's a veteran. I think that's a very valuable player to have on your team. So I think I just convinced myself. I just talked myself into it. I, I would bring him back. So here's where I stand on this. I um, given the recent Alex Verdugo stuff, I just don't see a world where he is on this team beyond I don't either and I don't either so the way that it shakes out to me obviously there are a lot of moving parts um let's go through a couple hypotheticals here real quick so the first one Justin Turner take you know he takes the buyout and then he leaves so Yoshida is now your everyday DH that -hmm. opens up left field what I would do I would throw Duran in left field Mm -hmm. Raffaella in center Duvall and right, and I'd be fine with that. Another world that exists is Turner stays. So Yoshida's in left. Um, Duran is in center. And then I would keep Duvall and right. And you figure out what you do with Raffaella. Obviously, you got options on the guy. I think he could start next year in AAA, possibly, just to work on things. Um, I would be fine keeping Adam Duvall if it means trading Verdugo in a trade package that nets you starting pitching. That's that's another way to do. How it. would like, you trade for Dugo? Is he not a free agent this offseason? No, he's got one more year. Oh my god, I didn't even know that. I thought it, I thought yeah. he was a free agent this yeah. offseason. That changes everything. No, trade no, that no, guy. Get him out of here. Yeah. So give me a pitcher. Give me yeah. Absolutely. Oh, exactly. I'm full so on that that's trade. where your flexibility wow. comes. From, I think like you're able to the way you can shift these outfield options around. Keeping a 36 year old Adam Duvall over Alex Verdugo is definitely something, but you're not doing but it's that. Different. For the long it's different. It's different because Verdugo is the everyday because... starter. I don't think Duvall will be the everyday starter. Yeah. And you have guys like Willier Abreu, who is major league ready. And platooning him with Duvall can work. Close. Yeah, exactly. So if you were to do that in right field, Abreu, you know, he made a mistake in center field, but I Sox prospects actually grades his defense as being above average corner outfield. Oh, really? I so, didn't actually know. Yeah. Yeah. So it, you know, if that lives up to the truth, I, I'm perfectly fine with it. A Duran, um, an outfield of Yoshida, Duran, Abreu slash Duvall or whatever way you want to mix and match. I like that better because I know what Verdugo can get you, even though yeah. he's talked his way out of Boston at this point, I feel like the way that he's acted and just not being ready, not showing up. You can still get a lot for him. He's a good player. 
and you know you trade him to a team they're going to extend him right away like what hey let's bring we talked about it this past offseason miami Verdugo, he fits Miami. Fits, that could work. Fits. They got an abundance of starting pitching. What if you work something out there? Like that's another option. Um, but I like the flexibility that they have going into this offseason. It's just about execution. I don't know if that's gonna happen. I think flexibility is a great word because there are they're in a good spot where there are a bunch of different directions where they can go. You talked about it, how it's a bunch of moving pieces, a bunch of different hypotheticals. Turner could stay, Turner could leave, Duval could stay, Duval could leave, Verdugo. You have Rafaela out there, Abreu. You have all these different options, which is a great spot to be in. It's not like we're going into the offseason like, oh, we need to find our everyday center fielder. No. It's like the position we were in last offseason where like we have to find our everyday shortstop. I'm very happy that that's not a position we're in anymore. Like we don't have that really anywhere over uh, anywhere on in the lineup, anywhere on the field. We don't have a, who's going to be our everyday guy externally. Like there are internal options that aren't bad for every spot. Most of them are pretty good. Like all the guys that we're talking about, I'm, I'm very comfortable having them in the lineup every day. Like I, I think all of our options are very solid and that just points me back to pitching. Offense is all looking great. We have different guys. We have depth there. Yeah, you get a little more depth because you can. But pitching is where you need to strike. That is where you need to make the moves. That is where you need to bolster your team. Um, and if you do that correctly, if you get the right guys in and you bolster that that rotation and help out the bullpen a little bit with some depth, this could be a very, very dangerous team. Absolutely. And like we I said, have some new coaches too. So some new yeah, new um inspiration, some new um brains fresh and heads faces. putting putting their advice out there in the clubhouse, fresh faces. I think it could be great. Absolutely. I feel like yeah. we've just oh Duran. Um that sucks that his Duran out for the season. Very sad. I do, um, I do like that the Red Sox told him to just get the surgery now instead of wait playing the waiting game like they've done in years past. I think they finally learned from their mistake of having guys, you know, like I, when Duran went down against New York, they were like, oh, you know, he, he doesn't need the full seven days on the IL, but we're just going to put him there because of roster manipulation and whatnot. And then it goes from that to he'll be back in exactly seven days to, oh, he's out for the year. I'm, I'm glad that they discovered the injury, diagnosed the severity, and they're getting him treatment, you know, so better to do it now he'll be ready for the season it's whatever it sucks exactly. that his season had to come to an end like that because he he was so impressive and he was start he was in a slump but he was starting to get out of it um but he, yeah he's, he's a starter and that's for sure yeah i mean never good when a guy gets hurt obviously but um at least the games don't really matter that much right now um yeah but if you do want to catch some of the games before the season wraps up, or if you want some tickets to the Patriots, their season starts on Sunday, SeatGeek is the place for you. Because SeatGeek is the best ticket provider out there for all sports, concerts, shows, and more. They make buying tickets easy by grading every ticket price so you know you're getting the best deal, and they provide a view from your seat so you can pick the perfect seats to any event. And you can get $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek by using the very special promo code DUGOUT. That's D-U-G-O-U-T, dugout. All right, Jason, I got a question for you. Uh-oh. 
How many games out of the last wild card spot will the Red Sox finish this season? Mm, Currently, I can go four two, and a half. I can go two different ways with this. I think they will either um, very soon realize, all right, uh, our, our chances are shot, like it's over, and just fall apart more and end up eight games back. Um, or they'll do what I mentioned earlier in the episode. Well, they'll go on a little run, give us a little hope again, and finish game and a half back. That's not possible to finish a game and a half back at the you end mean, of the season. Good point. You can't finish um, a half game back. So two. Mm, no, I think it'll be closer. I think it'll be... I'll go with two games. Two games, final answer. Yeah, I, I like that. I mean, with the amount of like gut-wrenching, absolute death blow losses that they've had this year. They've still continued to fight, which has really impressed me, and which is why I think that they're not going to mail it in like last year's team did and just count down the days to the end of the season. There's still guys out here that are playing pretty hard and playing well. I think just to break our heart one more time, like we talked about earlier, I think they're going to finish really close to that last spot just to really give us one last gut punch because yep. the season's going to end. We're going to be, I think, either two or three games out. And we're going to look back to the two or three biggest losses of the year and say, boom, that directly cost us our playoff spot. Like the Reese McGuire thing, that directly cost us our playoff spot. Something like that. Yeah. I don't want to admit it, but I can fully see that happening. I can see it in my, in my mind. I can see that right now. I can see that being the case hundred percent because that just fits with the narrative the whole season. Um, I don't, I was just thinking about while you're saying that, which I want more, would I rather finish way out of the race or would I rather finish just a game or two out? Uh, I don't know what the answer is because both hurt in different ways. Um, I, I think the, the finishing a game or two out, is a little more um, consistent with the rest of the season. So it just kind of makes it easier to summarize the whole season. So yeah, I think that that's, that's probably a good pick. Um, yeah. Um, I, I'd like to throw an option C make the playoffs, win the world series. I'd love that to be the con- the result of this season. Yeah, for real. <laughs> but yeah. I feel like if you finish a couple games out, it, it, even if you finish a couple games out, you can't use the same excuse of, oh, you know, if only these couple games broke our way. The front office can't say that. Everyone you can't knows. use any excuses because of how many no. chances you had. There are so many glaring issues on this team, like we talked that about. Too. The defense. Yeah. It absolutely needs a major, major change this offseason, as well as that rotation. Because they got to go to some you, clinic or something. They got to, I don't know what they need to do. Yeah. Get yeah, draw in here. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Dustin Pedroia youth clinic. It's, it's a bunch yeah. of eight year olds. And then you got Tristan Casas and Emmanuel Valdez there too. Yeah. You got like yeah. a little, a little eight year old named like Tommy right next to Raphael Devers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dustin Pedroia is like, great job, Tommy. Great form. Raphael. What was that? <laughs> yeah. He's teaching them. Raphael, <laughs> dude, Raphael, you're getting no juice boxes today. All right. Run a lap. Yep, That's I could Red see. I could see Pedroia teaching them the little Pedroia hop too. Yeah, yeah. I, Pedroia would fix things because remember he what he used to do. Remember he fit. Who was it? 
David Price. He fixed David Price because he noticed <laughs> during the game he was tipping yeah. pitches. He called time, walked to the mound, and he's like, hey, David, fix this. You're tipping. Boom, fixed yeah, it. Man. Dustin Pedroia is a mastermind. He would he would completely fix it. Hey, he's coaching an undefeated Little League team right now with his kids. Just saying, they're studs. So maybe he's if got we the resume. There it is. that job, let, let, let's bring him back. Let's well, I know his back. whole thing is he wants to be with his family and his sons. Dude, come coach the Boston Red Sox. Bring your sons in, whatever their names are. Put them as bench coaches. I don't care. Put them in the dugout. But we we need we need Dust Pedroia to straighten out this defense. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's bad. Uh, hopefully, hopefully they figure that out. Um, one last thing that I wanted to mention along with what you were saying, the whole, the, there's like this saying, finish strong, finish the season strong, right? You want to go into the off season with, uh, not a bad taste in your mouth. Um, put a little breath mint in last few weeks of the season and finish with a decent taste in your mouth. Put it, put some good defensive games together, some clean games where you don't make any mistakes to finish out the season. And I think that leave you feeling a lot better going into the off season. So that's my words of advice for the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it does a, it does a lot for this team. If you finish strong, because right now they are going to surpass that projected win total. They're going to eat past that. It was, I think 77 and a half. They're at 72 right now. So like they're gonna hit the they're gonna I hit wouldn't the say easily. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna impress people. Never like know. if things go to plan, as long as they don't mail it in, they should finish over five hundred. Like yeah, it's respectable. It's respectable. Yeah. You got and you you have a clear a more clear vision on the future, which is something that we we begged for in the past. We just need to know what the outlook is, what the future is going to be. We have a much better idea of that. If we finish strong down the stretch here, feeling good entering next year, you know, it can, it can work wonder. So. Yeah, there you have it. Um, We will probably be back on to wrap up the season in uh, how many games we got left. Let's see. Got uh one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen seventeen. Is it twenty two after twenty two games? So we'll be back after that to kind of recap the season. Unless they go on a crazy run and we're looking at the playoffs again, we'll hop on and and um you know go crazy for that. But uh all things stay as they've been. We'll see you to wrap up the season. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Indigo Podcast. Peace.